It's the Untitled Film Project podcast, and we're reviewing Argyle this time. Uh, Ellie Conway, she's just an author and a cat lady who writes <laughs> cheesy spy novels that are seemingly predictable. Who are these people? Real-life spies. Why would they care about me? Because you're a goddamn fortune teller, Ellie. Why can't you see? Well, you wrote a new, new book, actually happened, and you kicked a hornet's nest you didn't even know existed. And fun action and hilarity ensue. We have uh, a big question in this week's episode as well. All right, the big question is, what's your favorite spy movie character? I mean, it's kind of broad, but great, because yes. there's so many good ones out there. There's some that are way off the left field. There's some comedy ones, some serious ones, some action ones. So I'm curious to see what everybody has to say. All right, let's uh, get some initial thoughts on Argyle, uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn, who brought us things like The Kingsman, very much like that movie I thought this one was, and uh, also he did uh, Kick-Ass and a few others, one of the X-Men movies. Uh, I thought this movie was a fun date movie. Okay. okay, I didn't uh, explain. I, I, I'm gonna say uh, here's here's. I, mean, I went on a date to it, but I mean, yeah. Did I, you really? With my wife. Well, but, well yeah, okay, that counts. Date night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I there's a lot of likable people in this movie. I mean, if there's not, if you don't have one person, you don't go, "Ooh, I like them." Uh, out of this ensemble cast, uh, I I don't know who you are or what you like because the, there's just a lot of great people in this movie. Uh, it's not a fantastic movie, but I think it's one people are going to agree on, and I think it's one that uh, I think people would go. So that sounds like fun. Let's go out and let's do date night at this movie at Argyle Secret Agent movie. Uh oh! Wow, I was I was quite disappointed. Oh, that one. I I kind of felt that coming. That was I, the longest sigh I've ever heard Bradford make. Given the cast. Full mm-hmm. of extremely likable people, people that you think will make a fun action comedy movie, even that has its twist and everything. People that have worked with Matthew Vaughn plenty of times in, in previous um, encounters. And then, I mean, the the overall marketing behind it had me very excited. I was disappointed it wasn't Taylor Swift in it because there's been plenty of rumors <laughs> about that. But as, that yeah. aside... I was extremely disappointed with how long this was, how choppy the editing was, and I think it was I think it was Sean who is the president of our film critics association that even said it looked like the studio got a hold of this and just said no no you do this, do this, do this, do this. And you can see the choppiness in the editing that I wanted so much more from this movie. I wanted to love this movie because the setup was fantastic that you have these books and then you have this author that is somehow predicting what has been happening in real life. And it's all connecting and intertwining with twists and spy movie and everything. It was set up to have so much potential. And then I left the movie going, man. <laughs> they dropped the ball. They did because there were so many likable moments too. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard. She plays that role so well. Sam Rockwell is very enjoyable on screen. I really do like him overall, too. I wanted more Dua Lipa. We could have had more Dua Lipa. I love Dua Lipa. You could always have more Dua Lipa. I mean, Brian Cranston, as well. Again, you could just, this is an all star kind of cast. You think it like Glass Onion type of thing? Mm -hmm. Their expectations of putting this kind of cast together are very high, and they 100% disappointed me. And I hate that because I wanted to love it. 
Wow. I also was disappointed, but my disappointment didn't, and, and I'm not speaking for you, but my disappointment didn't come from, you know, usually when you say I'm disappointed in a movie, it's because you have expectations going in. Yeah. You're like, oh, Quentin Tarantino did this. It's going to be great. Yeah. And then you go and you're like, eh, not that great. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you know, Steven Spielberg's a part of this. Uh, this would be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's usually like that. I was not yeah. disappointed from my expectations going into the movie. I was disappointed in my expectations during the movie. Because the first half is so fun mm-hmm. and so innovative and so intriguing and it piques your curiosity. How is the cat going to fit in? Are her right. parents really agents? Is she really an agent? And they foreshadowed it with the question in the book club question Q and A. That especially the, the scene during the fireworks. I'll show you some fireworks and they kiss. It's really yeah. funny. It's really campy. It's like no, 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 no. And yeah, and he's no, 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 no. But he his character is talking. As Ellie Conway is talking, which is no, 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 that's not that right. Work. A character but, in the book yes. is is talking to the author of the book and saying, "This isn't working." Yes, and then the, <laughs> and then the text behind him all fall down. Yeah, it's a cool visual yeah. cue of like, oh, her 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 ideas just fell apart. It was pretty innovative. It was so cool and so great. And then the second half happened, <laughs> and they tried way too hard to make it too complicated and too twisty. And when they yeah. did that. It took the fun out of the movie. I no longer was having fun. Now I was just exhausted. Yeah. And that's not what you go to the movies for. You go to the movies to be entertained. You go to the movies for escapism. You go to the movies for popcorn. You go to the movies for all these things. But all those things have a common thread, which is fun. It is fun to go to the camaraderie afterwards, leaving the theater, good or bad. You go so you can talk about it with your buddies or whatever. Right. Right. You're listening to this show because you had a good time or a bad time at the theater and you want to get what our, somebody else's takes are. Those are fun things. This movie prevented me from having fun. That is my initial take on Argyle. And to build on that, too, in a theater, there are about 30 people in my theater for this. There are obvious moments that were built for audience reaction. I agree with right? that. Yep. Totally built for audience reaction. Crickets. People are going to say, well, I love this. I love this. They're going to come back. They're going to attack. It's like, I loved you. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Box office speaks. <laughs> Not always, You though. like to go to the numbers. No, numbers don't lie. Well. Numbers don't lie. They do. If it was, re- if it was really good, it would have made more than $18 million at the box office. Because this movie is marketed the shit out of. Numbers tell you one part of the story. They Thank tell you. you. Okay, don't, don't even come after me with this. They tell you a huge part of the story. Uh, I would have said that pre-COVID, but the way people go to theaters and what motivates them to go to theaters is totally people different. People went to go see Barbie multiple times. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is a phenomenal movie. Look at those box office numbers. And Who's tell the me studio that. behind it? That nope. Has that's plenty, not what you said. No, it's plenty to do with it because the marketing. What you said yes, it's, it's plenty a piece, to do what Jim with it. Said. It's no, a no, piece no, no, no. of the puzzle. It's a piece of it because the, look at the marketing. Argyle, they marketed the shit out of this and movie. And you know why they did months. that? Because they knew it was garbage. That's not garbage. Madam Web, disappointing. same thing. They're, they're marketing not mar- the crap out of that. No, they're not. <laughs> it's in every. <laughs> no, oh, dude. Argyle's been marketed for three months. They put so much behind this, and for it to only have eighteen million dollar return when it has zero competition. Is extremely disappointing and shows how disappointing the movie is. And guess what? Those are all pieces to the puzzle. I know. I'm not saying it's the one all be all. I think you were. No. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. (laughs) They don't. They don't. (laughs) Tell me, tell me how I'm wrong in this though. Because we're all saying it was disappointing, and you are wanting to disagree with the box office numbers. Well, no, I I want to disagree with your principal take on the the box office premise. Not lying. Thank you. If people are going to argue that it's really good, then more people should have been at the theaters watching it. Okay, but what 
Gover very uh, aptly showed <laughs> is that you can have a movie that does not wow in its opening weekend and continues to either make the same money over a long period of time, which is everything everywhere all at once, which its money was made over the course of six months or more. Which more. is from an independent studio that didn't have the marketing dollars to put behind it. This has been marketed. People all know about this movie. People know this is in theaters. People didn't know about everything everywhere all at once until it gained traction. This traction should have already been had. Ooh. People know about big movies. This has been marketed as a big movie. Big movies don't open with $18 million if they're good. They don't. They don't. You guys know it's, this. It should have been more, but really $18 million in this On a big budget is movie? Not, uh, no. It, it, right now, it should not surprise as, as movies that have been, you know, uh, where they spend $300 million to make them and 150 to market them to have weak opening box offices. When there's no competition, there's nothing going on. There is competition, though. It's Pro Bowl weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it did come out on Pro Bowl I weekend. Even, I couldn't even. Yes. Uh -huh. I'm so sorry. It uh -huh. did. And you know how everybody just loves it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Loves, loves, loves Might it. Might as well throw NHL All-Star competition <laughs> oh, yeah, there, too. We, Pro Bowl was fun. We do. What yeah. I'm trying to say is, if we were wrong in our critical take yeah. that it's frustratingly disappointing, then the box office would have clapped back at us with bigger numbers because the audience actually fully enjoyed it. That's the point I'm trying to make, is that overall, this movie should have done better if it was good and we were wrong. But we are not wrong in that it's disappointing because people didn't go watch it. All right, I think the word has gotten out that it's not as stellar, and that is why. That is a big point of it, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah Part of what be. we say, what Rotten Tomatoes obviously says, but if people have a curiosity interest because the cast, very likable, you're going to find somebody that you like in this cast. There's oh, so yeah. many positive things before going into the movie that you should at least find intriguing enough to go to the movies. It fell flat with all those counts. I got to say that this movie, uh, I thought kind of did a decent job at what it was doing. And I think you guys have alluded to this as well, that leading up to like, basically who is agent Ar Argyle? I mean, it's even in all the trailers all the and everything, yeah. right? So, I mean, like you're trying to figure out what's the deal? Who is the secret agent? What's everybody's actual thing? When you find out that's when the movie crashes. So I think it's a pretty decent movie until they revealed that she actually used to be a secret agent. And at that point, not funny. It slowed down. It got, I think, stuck in the mud. And I also, every, like every other character that was doing things, that you'd like, I get it. I understand it. That's who that character is. And the fact that Okay, she she was used to be a you know secret agent. She was the toughest of them all, and she had this great reputation. And at that point, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. I was thinking, okay, she remembers she's a secret agent now. Uh, she's not acting like one. And I, I just felt like this this was it was just blah. Well, they went full Oprah with you get a twist and you get a twist and then you get a twist and, and then, then oh you're playing your double agent now oh you're a double agent again. It was too much. That was it's my point. way too much. That was my point. That they is forced, very choppy. They forced it mm -hmm. so much to they 
overcomplicated it unnecessarily. It didn't need to be. Like, it had so much potential. It truly yeah. did. Seriously. Yes. I wanted to love it. I wanted it to be great because these are the kinds of movies that can stick with you and can be rewatchable and be a lot of fun. Like, how much we love Glass Onion, right? Yes. Like, that's, like that is an ensemble cast done incredibly well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a much better story. Like, I, I, I think maybe these movies, like, while they're... They're not parallels, right? It's right. just because it's an ensemble cast. Right. But, uh, you know, I think the thing, what you find in the Glass Onion movies is they're pretty steady throughout. Like, there's no big drop-off. And this movie has a cliff mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it becomes, when it's supposed to become the most interesting, it got boring. It's over two the hours. Last, the last third of the mov- movie was just, <sighs> why is it over two hours uh, yeah. long? Yeah. You know, one thing we haven't even brought up yet is the fact that it feels cheap. Okay, like they're they're on the roof. Like I understand that explosions are done a different way in movies sure. now. And okay, I mean, Bond of, style. A yeah, lot of times too. Right? I, I get that. Right, that, that's either here or there. When Dua Lipa's riding that motorcycle down the thing on a drone shot, it's clearly not her. It's really <laughs> well, the motorcycle's bad going animated. too fast and everything too. Like it right. feels. Sped up. That's right. not real at all. But again, I give it to Matthew Vaughn's style in this. But even then. Right. You, you right. get some play there is what you're right. trying to say. But I'm talking about the extreme for me was when they're on top of the roof. Okay. They're trying to run, run away from that apartment. And they're on the roof. The, the scene where the cat falls. Okay. Oh, right. So, but without the cat. Although the cat looks bad too, by the way. I can tell it from the preview. They're standing on the roof having a conversation. Like, yes. are you going to jump? No, we're not going to jump. Are you kidding me? Blah, 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 blah. And the background looks like it was shot on a soundstage. It's like a blue screen's behind them, and they're not even yep. really on a roof. Mm. And let me tell you, that's not action. If you want to do it on a green screen where there's a stunt involved, where they are jumping off the building into that, th- that's one thing. Racing a boat, another thing. They're standing on a roof having a conversation. You it, don't need special effects for that. It almost felt like a reshoot. That just and that, I'm sure that it was. spot. And I'm sure it was. But how, but how cheap is it that Hollywood, a big budget Hollywood movie, can't rent out a rooftop somewhere <laughs> and shoot it on a real roof? I, it just is so. It's one of those things where it was another reminder that it was cheap and it wasn't campy enough. If you're going to do that and you're going to have those kind of cheese, the do a leap of motorcycle thing where she looks clearly animated and things like that, they're kind of, right? You can pull that off with a line of dialogue or two. Doesn't necessarily break the fourth wall, but it does. Sure. Or like Bryce Dallas Howard's character's looking around and she goes, Are we only really on a roof right now? Nope. And then it's kind of self aware. <laughs> you are definitely right. not on but a real roof. But then the audience, the, the people that see it, are like, Oh, they've made fun of themselves. That's right. kind of cool. All of a sudden, now you've completely fixed it. You can lean into the camp. And they didn't even do that. I, I was so disappointed in this movie because of the first yeah. half was so fun. Yeah. I, I want to throw. Just one thing out there that, like, here's where it disappointed me, okay? I, I knew there was a few, a few people I knew from the trailer. I didn't recognize because the stuff in the trailer mostly had Sam Rockwell in the wig, right? So he's got, like, the long hair, and he's kind of the jean jacket guy on the train. And I didn't realize it was Sam Rockwell. And I love Sam Rockwell, like, just give me Sam Rockwell movies. I just, there's something about his charm that I love it. And I thought he was good in this movie. I also thought this movie 
let him down. Like I thought, oh, finally Sam Rockwell is going to go because he's only at a certain level of fame. You know who Sam Rockwell is if you watch a lot of movies because not a lot of his movies are very big movies. But I think he's got charisma. He's got a great sense of comedy timing. And I just have always enjoyed him. And in this movie, like, yeah, he got his chance, but they could, it could have been so much better. If you want to see a good date movie that is starring Sam Rockwell, uh, find it streaming somewhere, Mr. Right, in which he co-stars with Anna Kendrick. It is also kind of a secret agent movie. It's almost this movie done right. Oh. Okay? Simpler, for sure but very likable, and uh, I think it also shows off, you know, and Sam Rockwell can dance. <laughs> so I, I want to get nitpicky here. I want to pull my gover. Oh! I'm here for it. Okay. I'm going to pull my gover. And so, background, all three of us play ice hockey. Yeah. Sometimes together. Sometimes together, yeah. yes. Yes. Not well all the time, but, but we do play. Very slowly. <clears throat> the scene where all the crude oil is spilled... And all of a sudden, yes, she puts knives Ellie on Conway her, on puts, her boots. puts knives on her boots. <laughs> just not how skates work. And is asking, is that background that I remember about me figure skating and ice skating? Is that a real memory or a fake memory kind of thing that's been instilled? Like, oh, it's real. You were one of the best out there. But for injury, da 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 da, all that. Going, oh, oh no, oh, oh no, they're not going to. Yes. No, puts knives on her boots and then skates on oil, which. <laughs> Is pretty viscous and not solid at all. While slippery, yes, you can't actually have it as a surface to skate on because you need something that these blades, that are the knives, to cut into to give you some sort of, you know, hold and grip. And it frustrated me like there's no tomorrow in that scene. It was definitely like a wily e. coyote kind of... It's, it's so out there, and I get it. Some action movies, you can have that. But I think you have to be so self-aware of what you're trying to pull off in that that even if they would have done something that had... Liquid nitrogen that had frozen something. There was something that spilled to freeze it. Something of the surface, even if it was so thin, just a thin layer of something frozen, that would have been better. Or but not then they couldn't the, have had terrible jokes about somebody I getting know. dirty. Ugh. Or not even put the blades on the boots and just have her <laughs> utilize that slickness of the oil with her boots and utilize that somehow. I'm, I'm, I don't know what would have fixed it, but I thought it was an awful interpretation. And I know I'm nitpicking because I do skate. But I think there's other ways you could have pulled that scene off if you still wanted to bring that ice skating background in there. Because if they're in a facility on a ship, there's certain things there. There are refrigerants. There's so many things you could have had spill to free something over to give that ice skating and to make it make sense. I think they wanted to throw liquid around, which is what the skating did. You know, got people messy. Can't skate on liquid. Yeah. It got a little cartoony. That's the problem, too, right, is what I said earlier. They didn't go campy enough. If they may, if they lean into the camp, exactly hundred percent, and they th- then Naked Gun, the war- movie Airplane, <laughs> those movies, they can pull that off. Yeah, hun- yes, where absolutely. Leslie Nielsen straps a knife to his boot and skates around, and you're like, this is so ridiculous, but it fits the movie. Yes, they didn't lean into that early enough when they could have. The, the fact that I, yeah. we, we, we were going to go on that. I know. They could have leaned into the camp, and that would have been just fine. But you're right; it was absolutely atrocious. I'm actually going to say this is a this is a typical Matthew Vaughn movie, and I'm not that big a fan because he does combine these action and comedy and espionage things together in films, and 
to me, his take on it is a little goofy for me. And I know a lot of people love him, especially for The Kingsman. I know some people that just adore that film. I like The Kingsman. Oh, I love The Kingsman. I the liked first it. One. I liked the it, yes. Yeah, Only yes. the first yeah, one. The first one. Um, and great Iggy Azalea jokes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's over the top. You know, it's a little yeah. silly. Uh, it just wasn't the greatest thing for me. I think and it leans in enough, though, to get away with what yes, they do in The Kingsman. Better than this There's one more does. Yeah. with that. Yeah. So let's get our final scores of Argyle. Let's do it. So we were talking about you know Matthew Vaughn and Kingsman. I thought kick, Kingsman Kick Ass. Those mm-hmm. are those are a lot of fun, a lot of yep. fun movies. X Men First Class. You don't get any of that Matthew Vaughn feel really in X Men First Class. That right? movie. That's how that's, you do a prequel. That is so. Good. That's elite. X Men First Class right. is elite superhero type of movie. This is not. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. This this is not. It's in my yes. I have expectations, and I know, especially Gover talks about expectations a lot. But I do go into films with expectations, especially the marketing behind this. Like they wanted you to know this movie existed, so much so that people were leaning into the whole Taylor Swift rumors of if she if she's involved in this at all. If you want to dive in, go to TikTok. You'll be able to dive. We're not in. doing it here. That they had to release a that Matthew Vaughn even like released a statement. They they talked about. There's, she's not involved, so people aren't going to be disappointed that she doesn't appear. She did inspire, though. <laughs> but there, there's so much that raised expectations for this to be fun enough to be good, and it fell flat for me. And again, I, I was extremely disappointed because of the, the cast. I do enjoy the films like Kingsman and, and Kick-Ass, where they lean into that camp a little bit more where you can pull off some of these weird, atrocious things, and you don't. it doesn't stand out as something bad mm-hmm. in a movie. Here, those things stood out. And then the first and second acts, yes, I was in. The third act just... Pardon those explosions. was bad CGI, just like in this. <laughs> It just, I wanted more from it, and I expected more from it, and there should have been more for it. And whether it's a studio or somebody else in the editing, they ruined the movie in the third act, and it should have been better. There's no reason why this movie should have flailed like it did. Everything that was given to it was given for it to be successful. Having the right director for this kind of film, the right kind of cast overall, everything was there for this to be successful and good. And it wasn't. This is going to be a flop at the movie theaters. It's already proven that after week one. Maybe it'll do okay in streaming. But for that, I give it a 5.5. Okay. All right. All right. I I do think if this movie finds an audience, it's going to be an easy stream. Okay? So So I can see in five months... If it's on Netflix or some, you know, Amazon Prime, it's going to be in the top five for the weekend it comes out of people watching this movie because of the number of stars in this movie. Uh, but I, I don't know if those any of those stars were enough to get somebody to leave their house in the winter and go to the movies. So as much as I love this ensemble cast, there isn't one person that is an ultimate draw, okay? I mean, like, like a Tom Cruise in you know, a, a Maverick movie, right? So uh, I don't know if it was, would have done better at a different time of year, but I think it's going to be fine on streaming. I was disappointed, especially with the final third of the movie where like, it, just, it just got so uninteresting and uh, it, disappointing. 
But I still think it's the kind of movie I think people would like on a date night, and it's moderately enjoyable. I'm going to give it a seven. Whoa. I know you're disappointed in me. Bradford's very disappointed in me. I mean, yeah, people on Netflix and chill to this. They're only going to be listening to it. (laughs) Seven is up there. That's up there. You haven't been married long enough to understand. (laughs) (laughs) He spent 200, reportedly spent $200 million on this movie and only make 18 in his first weekend. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to have to draw some people on streaming for it to even make make it make sense. It will join the club of... So many movies in the last year that made a fraction of just their their studio budget, not even the marketing. They're going to announce a streaming date probably next week. <laughs> that could very well happen. <laughs> I'll just wait for it. All right. So that leaves us Gover. You need to score Argyle okay. with two L's, by the way. Yes, it is two L's. That was like an extra $100,000 just for the extra L. <laughs> That's how when much I, they put into search, it. It's for the Google search, so it doesn't get confused. <laughs> when I wrote right? my review on untitledphoneprojectpod.com, I also had to spell check myself several times <laughs> to make sure that I got both L's in there. <laughs> Henry Cavill has zero screen presence. Uh, and this movie compensated for him. Early on, the story, uh, the way he was presented, and the way that it was back and forth between Ellie, the author, and talking for, it It worked. The mm-hmm. action scene, same thing, where she's peering into her, that it worked. Yeah, well, yeah you, you wanted a, you, a cheesy spy novel hero, dashing, handsome man, yes. and he fit the bill perfectly. He fits that bill for that, yeah. And by the way, just so you know, that's not just about this movie. Henry Cavill, to me, is very bland all the time. I agree. Even the Mission Impossible movie that I love so much. He's not why I love it. Superman, even if you liked Superman, the, you know, I, which I didn't. Uh, right. But if you did. He's uh, just, uh, uh, to me, he just doesn't, doesn't have it. I agree. He's a very good-looking guy. Good-looking dude. Fits that bill, but not not very engaging. Sam Rockwell, to me, in this movie, is a poor man's Owen Wilson. Sorry, Jim. Just Owen Wilson can't dance like Sam Rockwell. Maybe not, but Owen Wilson. You take that back. Owen Wilson would have been more entertaining, I think, in this movie than than Sam Rockwell. But I I do agree. I had that written down before you said this, but I do agree that the movie let him down. I do agree with that. Yeah. That's That's a pretty accurate statement. I mean, are we talking about today's Owen Wilson or like 2000s? No, Owen like Wilson? Wedding Crashers Owen Wilson. Okay. Okay. Where he did like that Behind Enemy Lines movie? Yeah. Right. Action. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's still, uh, I still agree with Jim. That's fine. Okay. You know what this reminds me of? Secret Invasion. Hear me out. Okay. <laughs> the first half I mean, the, was I really entertaining this. and this fun. The, the Disney Plus uh, Marvel yes, series. Let's, let's let him cook. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's good education for the audience because they don't know what Secret Invasion is. The first half was super fun. It was intriguing. I was interested to see how where it was going to go. How's everything going to fit? How are they going to fit this into this? How's this character going to play into that? And with then the, the reveal, second half happened. Ugh. And then it was like, wow, you just... You blew it. Yeah, you blew it. So, you know how you go to a junk drawer and you pull out... Well, you don't, you find like some old earbuds, the wired ones, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, and then the cord is inevitably always tangled. Yeah, okay. yeah. You got him on a plane yeah. in 2010. <laughs> trying to, yeah. Okay. So and then you try to untangle the cord, but there's like, but then you think, oh, this is the, this is the piece. I got it. This is the piece. Yeah. And then you pull it, and it actually gets tighter. Yes. That's what Argyle was. It didn't unravel in the second half. It got too tight, unnecessarily, 5.5. All right. It's a big knot of frustration. There you go. Time for the big question, you guys. Yeah. Bradford, what is the big question? Who is your favorite spy character in a movie? 
I mean, it's nice and broad there. Yeah. So many to choose from. Could be sidekicks. It could be, yeah. I don't know, props. Could be a villain. <laughs> it could be villains. Could yeah. Be villains. Yeah. It's a spy. So it's not the favorite spy movie. And it's not your favorite spy movie lead. It's the, your favorite character in all of spy movie-dom. Yes. So it's wide open. Yes. On and purpose. I'm going to jump in first. Please do. Right. And I'm just going to say this is her best film. Second best. Second best film. <laughs> okay. The best film she has been the lead in. Okay. okay. So I am going to go back oh, to... Get worried all of a sudden. 2015. Oh, no. Paul Feige. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to have some redundancy here. Because no way. Melissa McCarthy's... No! Susan Cooper. Unbelievable. That's... Look at this. This is what I, I'm just proving it. Okay. Desk Look at analyst. This. Right there. Susan, at the very bottom, Susan Cooper. Yep. Yep. That's, I would not have thought about Holy that. Holy crap. I cannot believe I you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her best movie oh is Bridesmaids, but she was not the lead in that yes. movie. But, I mean, Melissa McCarthy, uh, I really <laughs> like her, but she has taken, she takes every script that is dropped on her doorstep. And they're not very good movies quite often. Uh, but... This is her piece de resistance as she, you know, can prove that she's she was good as a field operative and not just the person behind the headset. I loved Melissa McCarthy in Spy. This is peak Melissa McCarthy. Yes. When you think of Melissa McCarthy in humor, you think of Bridesmaid, you think of some supporting character stuff. Even The Heat was awesome with Sandra Bullock. That's a really good mm-hmm. one. Okay. But this is what I think of when I think of... When I give her the benefit of the doubt because she's in a project, my yes. brain goes to spy. Right. End of story. That's peak Melissa McCarthy. I cannot believe we said the same person. That's, that is shocking to me. That because is because before we started recording, Gover's like, no one's going to choose this unless you're going completely out of, out of, <laughs> out of left field. No one's going to even think of who I'm choosing. He was, he was confident. Yeah. Because I thought somebody would be, not the, we'd be like, James right. Bond. But I thought it'd be something like it's a villain be. in James Bond or a specific James Bond. It's Austin Q. Powers. It's, yeah. Yes. Right. Right. No. Spot. Come oh, on. Oh, gosh. Can you believe it? All right. Well, let's just save you some time, audience. Bradford, what is your... <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that Gover was going to go with Harry Tasker from True Oh, that's a good oh, one, yeah. too. It's his, yeah. it's his favorite. It's the one that you finally got on Blu-ray. Oh, hey, guys, it, See, it finally happened. It okay. released the HD For version. those of you who have just uh, stumbled upon the Untitled Film Project podcast, <laughs> this show has merely been an excuse for Gover to plead with James Cameron, with James Cameron to release his favorite movie uh, on Blu-ray so you can own it physically and be alone with it. And I don't world. know if it's on Blu-ray, to be honest, but they finally released it on iTunes. Okay. So I was able to buy a 4K version of True finally, Lies. And not have to record it on Hulu and HD and then fast forward. The, no. So <laughs> actually, my Never over. say I don't think about you because... You spotted that. Uh, you did. And, and that was, you were thinking. That was so impressive. I, and I appreciate you. That's who I thought you were going to go with. This is why I love you so much. And so I wrote it down. I was like, oh, because Jim and I are not going to choose that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I got one out there first. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. So there's plenty you could choose from, right? There's Ethan Hunt. There's James Bond. Yep. There's Austin Powers. There's yeah. so many there. But this one is a crossover TV and film. Okay. okay. So it's been on TV and been as a movie as well. That's Jack Bauer. 
Okay. That's a good one. That's Oh, Jack Bauer. I, I, in fact, I made a Jack Bauer reference as just before we started recording this. I grabbed you by the little pills and I said, who are you working for? <laughs> <laughs> Chloe! <laughs> and I, I stabbed him in the knee with a knife and I said, who are you working for? Which he did in every episode of 24. The 24 series. That I loved. Was amazing television. And they made it, a movie. They made what? A couple movies? And there's still talk about doing another one? Yeah. As well, too. So... Jack Bowers on one because I just I love those I love those like the uniqueness behind just the television series the early two thousands each series each episode yeah. is one hour out of the day and there's twenty four episodes like that's that's creativity in filmmaking and television making right there right. too because that is so unique and never been done before mm-hmm. we don't see them go to the bathroom or eat. So that was always the question. Right. But yeah, there was some of that. For yes. 24 hours, without really skipping time, trying to put things in order the right way of how long it takes to drive somewhere. I mean, all those types yes. of things, were, that's so well thought out. But Jack Bauer, definitely my favorite in those types of films right. and TV shows. Very good. Yeah, I know. That was excellent. Yeah, it's really almost the same. I mean, and, and actually, Melissa McCarthy and, Thank you. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. and Kiefer Sutherland have often been confused with each other. So I think we're all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just a bag of <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.